open your copy of God's Word to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This morning looking at verses 9 through 14. This is the conclusion of this series started uh, last year uh, during the pandemic, Seeking God's Wisdom. Now going uh, all the way to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. Hear God's Word. It says, In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Perhaps a better title for... Uh, this passage would be, how do you get a lot more out of preaching? How do you get a lot more out of preaching? And one of the ways to get a lot more out of preaching is to know why preachers preach. What are they trying to do? I heard one preacher described like a barometer. He was dry and windy. Jokes on preaching are a dime a dozen. There's many of them, and you've all heard them, and it wouldn't be so many of them if it weren't a lot of it true. You know, so... Why do we listen, though, if sometimes it feels like a joke? Why do you listen to preaching? Why does the preacher preach? How do we get more out of preaching? I think the answer is one of the reasons we listen to preaching, one of the reasons preachers preach is because we know it's the will of God. And those of us who are believers, we have experienced a means of grace during the preaching of God's Word. We have seen and we have heard God speak to us. We sang about it and opened the eyes of my heart that, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you here. I want you to show up and speak to me. And those of us who have this intimate relationship with Christ, we know that happens and we've experienced it. Some of us, week after week after week, it's like I can't wait for one more time because God always speaks to me. It's that means of grace that I want us to see what's really happening so that we get a lot more out of it. Every preacher ought to have three qualifications. Number one, he should be inwardly convinced he is sinning if he doesn't preach. He must have that inward call of God upon his life that God has called him to proclaim a message from God. I didn't go to college to be a preacher. I went to major in business. I didn't have a clue God was going to call me into preaching. That was not what I was going to be trained for. And yet God did. And now I'm, I've been convinced I would be sinning not to preach. I must proclaim the message 
God has told me that. Secondly, a preacher needs to have that affirmation from the body of Christ. Other people in God's family need to be able to recognize your gifts. People need to look at a preacher and say, that man is gifted to preach. I'm clear, it's clear to me he's called. And so you get that affirmation. You get that encouragement. And the third thing a preacher needs, he needs to be examined by other preachers or other elders to have an understanding of the Word of God and what needs to be proclaimed. If you've got that kind of preacher, you're going to hear God speak because God has already been speaking to the preacher. He's been speaking to you. He's been speaking through His Word. God shows up and He speaks to us through the preaching of the Word. In Ecclesiastes, why do we listen to preacher? He he puts down here, I think, three very plain, easy things for us to grasp that a preacher brings to us, presents to us the message of God. We want to hear that. Secondly, a preacher's job is to prod the ministers of God. And thirdly, a preacher's job is to protect us. And this seems like so much of this book. Protect us from madness without God. Protect us from that life where vanity of vanity it's all vanity. God uses preaching for all of those things, and it's a great conclusion to this book. Let's look at the first one. God presents the message of God through preaching and through preachers. Verse 9 says, in addition to being a wise man, don't think that's uh, haughty. Don't think it's arrogant for him to make such a statement about himself that he's a wise man. Look back at Second Chronicles real quick, chapter 1. And you, you find what happened that would bring Solomon to that conclusion. Second Chronicles chapter 1. Let me read it to you. When Solomon became king. Verse 8 of chapter 1. He says, Solomon said to God, You've dealt with my father David with great loving kindness and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord... Now, O Lord God, you, you, your promise to my father David is fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can rule this people of yours? God said to Solomon, because you had this in mind, and you did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor, or the life of those who hate you. Nor have you asked even for long life. How many of you, we were talking about earlier in the service, content for our prayers. How many of you would, would pick verse 11? God, I, I need you to give me wealth. I need, there's too much bill at the end of the month. I need more money. I need wealth. I need people to respect me. I need honor. I need you to take out a few people. There's some people on this earth that don't deserve to live, and I need you to handle that for me, God. I mean, have you, has anybody prayed? I've prayed all those prayers, right? You've prayed those prayers. Solomon did not pray those prayers. He asked for wisdom and knowledge from God to deal with the situations that were put in front of him. He wasn't pursuing kingship, so to speak. It was put in front of him. He was called to that task, and as he was called to that task, he says, God, to do what you've called me to do, I'm going to need wisdom. I'm going to need honor. 
And so God says to him, You've asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge has been granted to you. That's why Solomon can say, in addition to being a wise man, he was a wise man. There was no one wiser in his day. And the reason he was so wise is because God gave him wisdom. He asked for it. It was a prayer request. God blessed him with wisdom. Now, with that wisdom comes a message. And God has given him, giving preachers, messages for his people. Look at Proverbs 2, the first 12 verses. Just a, a, the affirmation... I want you to have confidence. God does not want his church to be ignorant. He doesn't want a dumb church. Look at, he didn't want a dumb messenger. doesn't want a dumb church. Look at Proverbs chapter 2. Let me read a good bit of this uh, section to us. First 12 verses. Proverbs 2. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, if you will make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, if you will cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Let me stop there. And just That illustration is so good. I, I, I use it from time to time especially when I'm teaching the Bible to people who are learning it for the first time. How do you get more out of your Bible? And he just gives a great illustration. He says, you need to get open the Bible and get into it like you're searching for hidden treasure. If you search in this word, like, God, you're going to unfold something to me. You're going to enable me to explore something. You're going to enable me to learn. I'm going to get wealthy through reading this book. If you will have that attitude into your reading, you're going to gain the knowledge of God and you're going to gain so much discernment. So evaluate. How are you reading God's Word? Reading it right will enable you to bear the fruit of great knowledge from God. Verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course, for wisdom will enter your heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. What a glorious passage. God promising us, his people, wisdom and knowledge. He has constantly designed our life to grow wise. Uh, he tells us to open the Word and meditate on it day and night. And then he appoints one day out of seven, the Sabbath day, to be a day where you hear a message from God and you're constantly getting God's wisdom and knowledge. That's what he wants for us. Um, the whole idea of preaching is no haphazard thing. 
Look at Romans 10, 14 and 15. Romans 10, 14 and 15. It says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they've not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? God has ordained preaching, and he's ordained preachers. How, how can you hear? How can you learn? How can you grow without a preacher? There needs to be preaching in our lives, and we need to get a lot out of it. Um, God wants us to ponder. Back in Ecclesiastes 12, he says, he says, this wise man taught the people knowledge, and he pondered and searched out and arranged many proverbs. It goes on to talk about that the preacher is who is Solomon in this book. He says, I spent a lot of time just thinking how to present the message, how to get people to understand the knowledge of God. William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, he said, I guess now about 100 years ago, talking about us now, he says, my fear is that the next century would have a religion without the Holy Spirit, a Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. They made that statement 100 years ago. And I think he was right on. That we are there. And why are we there? And I think one of the reasons we are there is because we have allowed a lot of preaching without Bible. We have preaching now podcast into us day after day after day and week after week. And lots of it is coming from the talk show host or the psychologist or some therapy or some routine. Instead of really having an exposition of the message of God, the knowledge of God, is what God wants to give us. And it's the knowledge of God that gives us the discernment we need to grow wise. Jonathan looked earlier at Ephesians 1. It's a great prayer that the Apostle Paul prays for the church in Ephesus. As a matter of fact, you can compare a lot of Paul's prayers and there's a lot of similarities as he's praying for the church. I picked a different church, the book of Colossians. You can look at Colossians 1, 8, 9, and 10. And the prayer that Paul has there, similar to the prayer he has in Ephesians 1. And as I was reading that earlier this year, I said, God, that needs to be my prayer for New Covenant Church. I said, help me to make this my prayer for you. And so in understanding that conviction God gave me, my prayer for you as I prayed, I prayed for you. Um, maybe as far as I can remember, every day this week. And this is the prayer. You can look at it in Colossians 1, 9 and 10. In Colossians 1, 9, it says, Since the day I heard of it, 
So you have to go back to verse 8 to say, heard of what? And it's your love in the Spirit. So since the day I heard of your love in the Spirit, I do not cease to pray and to ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is my first prayer for you. God, when I look at New Covenant Church, when I go through the membership role, when I see your face, when I think of you collectively, Lord, my prayer, what I ask of you, God, is that you will fill them, New Covenant Church, with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You're going to walk some way, in some manner. My prayer for you is that you will walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects. Pleasing Him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You get that prayer because God's called me to pray for you. And I find it a sin in my life to not pray for you. That's how I'm praying for you. That you would always be increasing in the knowledge of God. You can't get that apart from his word. The preacher's job is to bring to you the message of God. And you get the message of God as you get the knowledge of God that comes from the Bible and the Bible alone. Secondly, preacher's job is to prod the ministers of God. Verse 11 of Ecclesiastes 12 says, The words of wise men are like goads. Think about that a minute. A goad. And he says, good preaching uses good goads. A goad's a sharp stick a, it, or a pole with something sharp on the end. It's a poker. That's what a goad is. You would poke an animal so that he doesn't get off the path. He continues to, to move the direction you want him to move. And God uses preaching to direct us to goad us, to push us, to prompt us where God wants to lead us and direct us through the Word of God. We need goad preaching. I don't think I've ever said that. Goad preaching. We need prodding. We need pushing. Look at Ephesians 4. This is a great passage on the church, how the church functions. Ephesians 4 11 through 16. Ephesians 4. I remember the days when y'all were turning pages with me. Now you just mash buttons. You know, you're there. Uh, Ephesians 4. Verse 11. And he gave some as apostles... Some as prophets, 
and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. So that's God's giving gifts to men. And notice then he gives these men to the church. And he gave uh, to preachers, pastors and teachers, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. The preacher's job is to preach, and it's supposed to equip you to minister, to serve Christ, to serve the church, until, verse 13, we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Now, have you ever met somebody, I call them, you know, sometimes people, give me your assessment of this individual, and, that's, and sometimes my assessment is, well, my assessment of that individual is they are the product of their last book. Think about what that means. In other words, the last thing they read, the last thing they heard seems to be the direction they're going. Whatever it is, it's like they're fired up for this because they just heard it, they just read it, this seems to be the new truth. Or now they're fired up over here. And that's what he's talking about. He said, I don't want you to be that way. That's a bad life where you're tossed to and fro by every doctrine you hear. You hear talk show hosts say this. Oh, that sounds right. Let's go there. Or then you hear another one. Now you're over here. And you're just tossed to and fro. He says, I don't want my church to ever be that way. I want you to equip the church in such a way, and then I want the church to talk to one another and minister to one another in such a way that you cease being children. You become wise. You become so grounded in the Word of God, you know the truth. You don't move to the right or to the left. You follow what is knowledgeable and wise according to God, as opposed to even needing this worldly talk that's always bouncing back from one scheme to the next from the latest survey and the latest scientific research. Well, he goes on, verse 15, 16, but speaking the truth, that's what we do to one another, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Well, there is a passage which indicates that we all have a job to do of goading one another, a little prodding, a little pushing at times. Every single one of us says needs to supply truth to the other parts of the body of Christ so that we're all built up together. In the knowledge of Christ, the preacher starts the process, lays out a course and a path, and we all join together on it and prod one another and encourage one another in the stuff of God. There was a preacher story of a preacher that used to always, during his lunch break, go down to the railroad tracks and watch a train go by. And after a while, somebody that worked there said, you know, preacher, why is it you always come here at lunch and just you watch a train go by and you leave? He says, well, it just gives balance to my life. That's why I like to do it. And they said, what do you mean? He says, well, I just like to see one thing I don't have to push. 
you know. And I'm thinking, but it's the preacher's job to push, to prod, to goad. We get it. And that's what we all need to do at times. Hey, stay on track. Stay on the path. Stay in the course of righteousness. Careful. You might be getting off track there a little bit. Rethink that. What, what verse in the Bible are you using for that decision? You know, help one another begin to think scripturally about what it is we're supposed to do. Um, it comes back to verse the, end, the last part of verse 11 in Ecclesiastes 12. says, this, this prodding are given by one shepherd. I love that. Christ is the head of the church, and he continues to shepherd his church through his church. He's using preachers and teachers, yes, but he's using you to encourage and build up the body of Christ. One shepherd shepherding thousands and thousands of sheep. That's the way God has designed his church. Well, we get more out of the word of God, the preaching of God's word, when we see it's a message from God, when we see it's prodding by God, and then we see it protects us from madness. Uh, look at verse 12. But beyond this, my son, be warned. Strong statement. I want you to be beware. I want you to be warned of something. And then he gives something that some of you college students use. The writing of many books is endless. The excessive devotion to books is weary into the body. Thinking, well, I don't really need to study too much, right? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he's the one who's been writing the books. He's the one who has been collecting all of the Proverbs. And he says, this gets weary. And you could spend all of your days studying it. And you could just get weary. Uh, I want you to see, you need to be warned that don't spend your wheels through all of life trying to find the answer when you already have the answer. Be warned. A lot of people may tell you, you need to read this, you need to do this. This is going to give you the answer. When you already have the answer. And the answer he gives us is very simple. To fear God and keep his commandments. Um, Stay with God's message. It's already known. You don't need a new message. He's, that was the purpose of this book. He started in chapter 1. He says, I'm going to explore everything for you. And I'm going to tell you how to keep from having a mad life. How to get out of this circle of vanity, vanity. It all seems vain. vain. I want to get you out of that. And I'm going to devote myself to that. And he gets to the end and he says, okay, this is it. Verse 13, the conclusion. When all has been heard, when I've listened to everything, I've read everything. When it's all been said and done, two things. Fear God, keep his commandments. It's pretty easy. And yet some, many times we can get sidetracked from that. Uh, reading about preachers and preaching. Heard another preacher's story. Preacher that had been in his church a long time and then got, got very sick and it seemed that he was going to die. And so um, he was at home in his bed, bed rest. A lot of the congregation kept calling, kept trying to come visit and uh, pay their respects, be with him, 
give him comfort. And he said, no, I'm just physically too weak. I can, so my breath is so short. I, I can't talk. I can't, it's just, don't come. And he kept making that statement, don't come, don't come. I'm, I'm, I'm very sick, and I, I just can't see anybody right now. And somebody in the broader community called and said, can I come see you? And the wife answered and said, well, you know, he's been telling everybody no. But let me go ask him. And she asked him, let's call him Joe. He said, Joe's on the phone. He wants to come see you. The preacher says, come, let him see me. And so he comes in. And he said, obviously, he says, you know, why did you turn down basically your whole congregation from seeing you and you're willing to see me? And the preacher said to Joe, he said, well, Joe, I may die today. I just don't know. Um, I'm very close. He says, all of my congregation, I know of their love in the Spirit. And I'll know I'll see them again one day. He says, but you and I both know it's not that way with you. You have not trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. This may be my last shot. Maybe God kept me alive just for you. He says, it's not complicated. Fear God, keep His commandments. You're not doing either one. Be warned. Be warned. You're not going to go through this life exploring it your way, get to heaven and say, well, but I thought we were supposed to do something different. God's going no, no, no. Be warned. Did you see how the passage ends? It, For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Fear God, keep His commandment. Verse 13, this applies to every person. Nobody gets off the hook here. This applies to everybody. And God promises to bring every act to judgment. And He's going to evaluate you and me by this standard. Did we fear God and keep His commandments? What happens in Vegas, what? It's known in heaven already. What happens online, it's known in heaven already. God will bring every act to judgment. Do you fear God and keep His commandments? It's going to be an easy evaluation, an easy judgment. We can evaluate ourselves now. He says, so be warned. I'm going to tell you where it ends up. I'm going to tell you where the conclusion is. It all comes down to whether or not we have lived our lives fearing God and keeping His commandments. What does it mean to fear God? To fear God means to revere Him, to be subdued to Him. It means to worship Him, to praise Him, to honor Him. Whatever it is you do today, do you do it in a way that honors God? that worships God? Do, do you enter into His courts with praise for God? That's revering Him, fearing Him. That's what it means. Uh, is that our life? A lot of people will say, no, I don't do that. Even when I come into the sanctuary, it's not about God's honor. I'm just checking off a box. Because you know, what the conclusion is, it needs to be a fear of God. And then secondly, the, really the proof of a fear of God is obedience to His commandments. 
make it as strong as you need it to be. Be warned. Look at 1 John with me. Chapter 2 of 1 John. This statement. So many of these in the Bible. It just uh, befuddles me. The number of people that tell me they are God followers. And don't know God's commands and aren't keeping them in any way. Look at this, John, 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. And the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Well, how did Christ walk? He walked according to his word. He walked according to the commandments. He knew the commands, and his, he said, One jot and tittle from the commands will not pass away. I will fulfill them all. And he did. Do we fear God and keep his commandments? Obviously, to keep his commandments, there's a prerequisite. You have to know the commandments. And if you, if you have not, at least start with the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5 and memorize a short version of that so that you can always be following those commands. And there's many more commands that God would have us know and follow as well. Let me just give you one other verse, John 14. Here's Jesus is speaking. And the only reason I make a deal about it is because it's just so countercultural right now. John 14, verse 21, Jesus is speaking and he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Imagine that. God says, I know who loves me. When it's all concluded, I know who loves me. I know who fears me. And I know who keeps my commandments. He says, the one who keeps my commandments is the one who loves me. And love is reverence. It's honor. It's fear of God. Are you going to be known as one that loves Jesus? To love Jesus, we must keep his commandments. I still run into people all the time, every week. This is David. David, uh, you know, uh, I don't think I need to go to church. I don't think I need to join the church. I don't think I need to to sing praises. I don't think I necessarily need to clean up my language. I think that's just the language of our culture. And I said, really? So you're telling me. You can be a Christian, but you don't have to keep the commands. It's, it's pretty simple. You love God, you keep his commandments. You fear him, you keep his commandments. You're telling me you can do one without the other when the conclusion is, no, it's two things. Fear God and keep his commandments. And that person says back to me, so you're saying I'm sinning if I don't go to church. I said, well, the, the scripture says it's a command. Do not forsake the assembling 
of the body of Christ, as is the habit of some. Don't do that. That's a sin. The scripture says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, set apart for going into God's house and giving him praise. It says, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Sing joyfully to the Lord. These are commands. Does, or so you're saying I'm sinning if I don't do those things. And my answer is yes. It's sin to disobey God. And I warn you, fear God and keep his commandments. You say, well, I can't do that. Exactly. That's why you need Jesus. That's why you need Jesus. Jesus does it for us, but we plead with him for grace and mercy. Lord, work in my heart a knowledge of your will so I know the commands and I can start through your grace and mercy walking consistent with them so that I cherish them, so that I honor you by following them to the best of my ability, knowing that I will continue to mess up, but I trust Jesus will give me pardon and grace for my sins. We must have the warnings from God or we will not be following God the way he wants us to. We need the message. We need the prodding. We need the warning, the conclusion to fear God and keep his commands. We need to get a lot out of this book and out of the preaching of this book. I came across one day the larger catechism, Westminster Standards, larger catechism, statement number 160. And I thought about that for a moment. Imagine you were living in the 1600s, and you were known as a protester. And what you were protesting in the 1600s was that the Catholics had only begun reading the Word of God in Latin so you couldn't hear it and you couldn't understand it. And you said, like Martin Luther, I think this book ought to be in the language of the people. And I think we ought to be able to hear it. And we ought to be able to follow it. And so you started protesting. And then you became known as a protester. You became known as a Protestant. And as a Protestant, you were, all you were saying is, I just want to get back to the Bible. I want to get back to fearing God and keeping His commands. And so as a group of men came together said, why don't we write down what we think is the essential doctrines of this word, this book, and then let's teach it to our kids. And so they came up with this tool called the Larger Catechism to teach to their kids what they had found in this book now that it was open to them in their language. And statement 160 that they made is this statement. What is required of those who hear the word preached? What a great question. Kids, this is a question you should ask your parents. Ask this to your parents. Mom and dad, we're going to church. What's required of us? 
who hear the word preached. Because, see, they were hearing it for the first time in their language. This is such a treasured resource. We need to make sure we get everything necessary out of it. What is required of us who hear the word preached? And these godly men answered that. says, what is required of those who hear the word preached is that they attend unto it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. First of all, I want to be diligent to show up. I want to be prepared to receive diligence, preparation, and I want to ask God prayer. I want to ask God to fill my heart and my life, open my, the eyes of my heart that I might see you and hear you speak to me. It's required of those who hear the word preached that they attend to it with diligence, with preparation, with prayer, that they examine what they hear by the scriptures. Examine what you hear with other scriptures. Then receive the truth with faith, with love, with meekness, and readiness of mind. Meditate and confer of it. Hide it in your heart and bring forth the fruit of it in your lives. You don't have some way to get more out of Scripture. You can Google it. Google Larger Catechism 160. I want to attend to it with diligence, preparation, prayer. I want to examine what I hear by the Scriptures. I want to receive the truth with faith and love and meekness and readiness of mind. I want to know it and I want to bring forth the fruit of it in my lives. Let's pray together. Father, so many people are waltzing through life, tossed to and fro like a wind like a wave and they will come crashing without your truth. Father, let us be clear in presenting the message to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to the people we work with. Let them receive the message of God from us Let them be prodded and goaded by us so that they can be thoroughly warned, lovingly warned, so that they can know the conclusion from the walk, that they will know without doubt it is required of us to fear God and keep His commandments. We thank you, Father, for clear, wise direction that we, your people, get week after week, and we bless you and love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.